Welcome to the Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. This is Solveig Brown, and I am thrilled to have Jane Hagen back for an in-depth conversation about company culture. In the previous episode, Jane and I had a wonderful discussion about aligning your goals with your values and life purpose. There were so many helpful takeaways from this episode, so if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. The pandemic has created many challenges for both businesses and workers. People are experiencing higher rates of anxiety and burnout and 47 million people voluntarily quit their jobs in the great resignation. The Deloitte Global 2022 Gen Z and Millennial Survey indicates that Gen Z and Millennials are looking for a new way to work while also desiring more purposeful and flexible work. In this new normal, company cultures have never been more important for attracting and retaining talent. I asked Jane back today because she is an expert on organizational culture. Jane is the founder of Hagen Business and Management Consulting Group, which brings the best independent solution thinkers together to help companies, leaders, and teams transition through complex change and create work environments that truly work. Jane is passionate about mentoring and has been mentoring for Mentium for over 20 years. She is also launching a podcast for mentors called Mentors by Design. Jane is a trained ICF and purpose coach, received her MBA from Georgia State University, and has completed the leadership and management development program at Harvard Business School. Welcome, Jane. Thank you for being our guest again today. Thank you, Sylvia. I'm so happy to be here once again with you. Jane, your company's mission is to help companies, leaders, and teams transition through the complex change of creating work environments that truly work. Can you describe the different generational perspectives in the workplace right now and offer some insight on how to understand different viewpoints? You know, it's a very complex question. It's a great question. And many companies are struggling with this right now because this is the first time we have so many generations really in the workforce together. And I look at it from a communications viewpoint. If we can't communicate with each other, not much gets done, no matter what business you're in or even what relationships and groups you participate in. It's all about communications. But let's break it out just a little bit. You got, obviously, we're going to, I'll use the common labels. I really don't like them, but I'll use them anyway. We've got boomers, we've got Gen X, we've got millennials, we got Gen Z. So those are the big groupings. And there's such a difference in the way we were all raised. So if you look at boomers, think of it this way boomers basically were the first generation to explore TV. Boomers actually wrote the formulas that created the internet page that we all use now. You know, so we were kind of on this beginning edge, and I'm a boomer, of technology, not knowing what technology was at all. Go to the Gen Zs, oh my goodness, it is networking. We use all the technology, it's easy, it's fast, you don't even think twice about it because you've grown up with it. So you have to understand people, it's not that people are narrow in perspective out of choice, it's they become narrow in perspective because 
their learning is different. Their schooling was different. The way they learn was different. So we have to think about that between all the different generations. There's a lot of differences, but you know, there's some commonalities too. We get so focusing on the difference, we don't see the commonalities. Talking about communications allows us to connect. Look at the boomer, okay? Boomers really like formal, direct communications. They like a lot of research. They like to understand the background around things. That's how they learn. Gen X, informal, flexible, you know, using emails, using text, using Facebook, using all these other wonderful things, but they do value professional etiquette. Millennials appreciate authentic, fast communications, a preference for text, chat, email, Instagram. They really like efficiency and a digital first approach. Gen Z, transparency visual communications and preference for face-to-face, -face, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, they use it all. And within all of that, there's a couple phrases that I'd like to pull out for you. Direct communication, flexible communications, authentic communications, transparent communications. We're all asking for the same thing. So when we can lock in on communications, and understand we have a little bit of different communication style, but we're all seeking the same information. Now we can start working across generations. And a couple, yeah, and a couple things to think about. If you are in, if you're a boomer talking to a Gen Z and the Gen Z texts you, don't email them back, please text them back. Mirror the communications. If you are generating a conversation with someone and you know they have a different communication style, defer to their style. You know, so, so things like, and if you in a group, in an organization, set some communication expectations. You know, once you get through this barrier of communications, a lot of other stuff goes to the wayside. So I that's why I focus on communications. Get there, start talking. And once you start talking, you then start connecting on values and then it starts working. Right, right. I like that it goes back to values and yeah. just kind of figuring out, thank you so much. That was such a good explanation of the different generations, the values they have, the, the preferred communication styles, because I think understanding that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So Jane, you have stated that change is the most uncertain time for any company. What was known is no longer accessible. What is new is not fully integrated. This time that we live in now is just known for being a time of accelerated change. So every company is dealing with this. Can you offer some suggestions for people navigating organizational culture change? There are a few things to think about. Um, what we do when we go into change and it's all over the press, you can check it out and research. We look at the strategic initiative to be activated. What is that goal? We paint a beautiful picture of what this change will be. And then somehow magically, we turn it over to the teams for it to happen. And it doesn't. And it doesn't because we forget a few things because we're in this rapid change environment we forget 
that there's a transition involved. So if we don't think about the transition, what we end up doing is doing initiative, strategic initiative after strategic initiative after strategic initiative after strategic initiative, oh, get that word out, <laughs> and trying to get to this goal. When technically all we need to do is to stop a moment and realize we're starting at the end. Where are we right now? How ready are we for this change? It doesn't take a long time to get there, but we just don't take this step. Where are we now? What's the gap? What are the priorities? Does everything have to change? Only a few things may change. In most change initiatives, the people who are doing the work say, well, what was this change? It didn't change my work. What was all this stuff? So what really has to change? What is that gap? When you look at what has to change, you see the gap, then you say, okay, we need to let go of this process that's tied to an old system that we're going to be sunsetting. Okay, that's a good one. All right, great. Most people can get on board with that. But how do we do that? When is that going to happen? Is there going to be training? What's my role? Where, where do we go from here? So it really is, you identify where you are, then what is that transition plan? And you have to look at all the operational components and the people and the work they do. In strategic initiatives, you don't really look there. You just assume it's going to happen somehow because you've given it to the change group that's going to make this thing come to life. So you got to put the transition plan together. When you put the transition plan together, now you're getting the information to the people, you're communicating to the people what needs to happen when they get feedback, they can actually offer, you know, amazing insights to make this change even more tolerable. So once you kind of go through transition, you actually end up at the goal. So the goal is the very last thing you do. Some people call it the dip. Some people call it the theory of you as the, the letter U. Some people call it a sigmoid curve. It is you begin at the ending, you see what's there, and then traditionally people say you dip down because you've got to understand and learn. And in this dip down, there's fr frustration, uh, there could be some anger, there could be excitement, there could be uh, exploration, there could be innovation, but you have to deal with people and the systems they're working with. So if you're communicating, if you've got a plan for transition, if you're really communicating with people, that dip, that learning curve reduces dramatically and you can focus people more on innovation, contributing, once they start contributing, you actually come into the change you want. So you have this dip of learning that you can either manage and be a part of and make it part of your transition, or you can ignore, and I will tell you, the organization will shut down your change because you're not addressing the needs of the people who are having to do the work.
right. to create the change. Right. And then that will bring up the resistance to the change as opposed to using mm -hmm. communication to mm -hmm. align people with the change and expectations that change can be messy and all these different fields can come up and that they are responsible for part of the innovation of creating right. the change. Wow. I love that analogy. I love the, the U shape. That is super helpful. So in thinking about the change, you know, within a company, a lot of times the changes are within a team. So can you tell me how managers can create healthy team cultures or help their teams create changes that they are hoping to accomplish? It's pretty simple. And I tell this to all my mentees, carry your whiteboard with you at all times. We're all familiar with a whiteboard. We're all familiar with planning on a whiteboard. Everybody coming in, sticking, putting sticky notes down, drawing, putting boxes, you know, and obviously that some people can do beautiful art <laughs> in putting together this solution on the board that we've all contributed to. And it actually is the same thing when you're working with your team. Can you in your head have a whiteboard? Can you let your own personal biases settle down? Can you take the assumptions you have? Can you put them to the side? You know, can you hear what the people are telling you? Can you together with your team create a whiteboard of solution? So when you're gathering, when you gather the information from your team, your job as a manager comes so much easier. It really does, because now you know what it's going to take to move the team forward or the project forward or take on that initiative because you've got a 360 perspective from your team. Now, you're going to need to make choices, of course. You're going to decide what, what is going to be workable now and what may not be workable until later. Those conversations need to be had but you do it from a place of knowledge now. You have insights, you have information. You're, you're connecting with your team and you're communicating. Now through this thought of a whiteboard, let's bring all the information forward. Right, I love that whiteboard analogy. It makes it so visceral, like you can yeah. comprehend that. So, you know, thinking about teams and, and leading a team, many of our mentees are taking on management roles for the first time. And this can be a very daunting time in someone's career. Do you have any advice for someone who is a new team leader or a new manager or is taking on responsibility for, you know, larger teams? Yeah, and if being a new manager, you, you, are, you are at that crossroad. <laughs> How do you step now into being a manager? And there are some things you need to know and some skills you need to acquire. And you really need to understand how to give feedback. You really need to understand and pay attention to your leadership language. And more importantly, you need to be able to ask really, really good questions. And they're all connected, like all of this stuff is. But feedback, as a new manager, you really need to understand there's not just one way to give and receive feedback. There's multiple ways. The three big buckets are appreciation, coaching, and evaluation. And it's interesting to think about because what is appreciation? It's like, okay, 
It could be giving an attaboy or attagirl to someone. Um, it, it, recognition, you know, it, acceptance for an idea. Coaching, it may be a skill that needs to be enhanced. Um, there may be something you may need to work on with your personal relationship with someone on the team. An evaluation is more of an analysis and a, a comparison. So when you're looking at, when you're looking to give someone feedback, you know, what are they looking for? So you have to be able to have that conversation. And the person says, hey, I would really you know, appreciate you giving me feedback on my idea. Give them appreciation. Don't give them evaluation. That'll tear the idea to pieces. So you have to think about just at that high level, there's more to it, of course, than that, but understanding what kind of feedback people need and what kind of feedback are you given? And you've got to balance those. Um, language, it is using your words to improve decision-making, not to stop decision-making. Sometimes when we're in a leadership role, especially in meetings, we actually, when we ask people for input, we're our, our words and our actions are doing exactly the opposite. Um, when we want to go around the table and have people tell us what they think about something, you are not going to get input. You're not going to get feedback because essentially when you go around the room, you set the stage, you set what's going on. Now, all of you around the table, tell me what's, what you don't like about what I'm saying. And no one's going to do that. It's a very simple example. It's better to have everyone take a, a sticky note or a white, a, a white piece of paper or something, write down the issues, put them on the table, and then pick them up one at a time and discuss the issues. Now you have input. Now you have information. So you can look to validate your thoughts and your thinkings and your, your personal assumptions and biases, which all of us tend to do because we think that's what a leader is. But if we have better language, um, we can, you know, do more than give inspiring speeches or give orders for how to execute. That is not leadership language. So it's, it really got to jump into that. And questions, boy, questions are at the core of all this stuff. If you do nothing else, if you get good at questions, you're better at feedback and you're better at your language. But that's questions help you move forward. Um, in, faces of, in the face of uncertainty. So, it, and it cuts to the heart of complexity. And they need to be open questions that ask for and invite, you know, information. Uh, and don't ask why all the time. Is, why is it rhetorical? <laughs> Good to ask every now and then, but you really get nowhere with a why. A what question is better? How do we do this? You know, what, how, how do you want to proceed? What makes the greatest sense? Um, good questions make a big difference. And for new managers, I do have three resources to consider. One of them, it's fabulous, called Thanks for the Feedback. And it's by Douglas Stone and Sheila Hinn. The Leadership, leadership is Language by L. David Marquette. And the beautiful book of questions, or I should say the book of beautiful questions by Warren Berger. Get these three books, read them, and keep them on your management leadership shelf. You will refer to them all the time. 
Oh, thank you so much for that. I will put those in the show notes for people so that they can see what they are, but that is really helpful. Um, And I love that formula of feedback language questions and how you explain that. Thank you so much. Jane, we have time for three final questions. Um, The first one is, do you have habits that you feel have contributed to your success? I think what contributes most to my success, and I have seen this in others, is planning time to review my results and reflect on changes. So I put together a plan. I, my plan's been running for several years now. <laughs> what do I want to, to accomplish? Um, what do I see myself doing? What are my objectives uh, for myself, for my business? I put those together and I give it as much detail as I, as I possibly can. And I look at that once a year in a very big way. So you can see what's going on, but I also pull them up on a quarterly basis. And I look at things on a monthly basis. So I use my plan as something that ignites my attention, not only for what I want to accomplish this coming month, for this week, and actually for the day that I'm at. So I'm always looking forward and backwards, so to speak. Does this align? with my plan. And in my plan, I have my values. I have the things that are important to me. And I look at it monthly intention. I say intention instead of goal, because there's so much I don't control. (laughs) There's so many things that happen that are beyond me. I can only control how I respond to things and how I feel about things. So an intention for the month. I then look at the week. What, is, what are the one, two, or three things I really would like to get done because this is my intention? And then I have to be flexible to the day. I may look at my morning and go, you know, I'm not going to get anything done today. You know, I, I, you know, I've got to go. I forgot I had a doctor's appointment. You know, I forgot, you know, this is happening. Or, wow, this just came on deck. I need to put a proposal together I wasn't expecting. So many things happen that you have to be flexible to let it go. So I reflect a lot. I schedule that time. It, it doesn't have to be more than 15 minutes. Schedule it, you know, schedule 10 minutes in the morning and then look on a monthly basis. What did I get done? What did I not get done? Realign it. You change it. Right. And I like that that's full circle to yeah. episode one of just the importance of yeah. your values and your purpose and just checking in with that and scheduling the time for it. I think we schedule time for so many other things, but are you scheduling time just to right. make sure things, you know, just look at your own goals and purpose? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is, it is, it's results and reflection yes. results get to your quantifiable results. When you reflect on what actions happen, that's where you realize your goals may have changed. Right. So and it's the reflection piece that right. is so important because yes. I think people are so you know focused on the results piece that they sometimes forget to yes. take that time to reflect and just see if it still works. Is this fitting? Has it mm-hmm. changed? Yeah. yeah. So Jane, what would your advice be to up and coming leaders? Well, you know, I'm going to give you four questions. And as an up and coming leader, these are four questions you should ask yourself. And one, am I willing to step back in order to help others move forward? Do I have the confidence to be humble? Can I learn to keep learning 
And do I seek to create an organization in my own image? Wow, those are, those are heavy questions. Yeah. So, but you think about it, you know, step back to help others, you know, move them forward. You know, this is all about recognizing rising stars, your high performers, you know, the people who are really going to propel you as a leader and, and helping them to achieve their success, you achieve yours. And humble, it's all about balance. When you're humble, this is not, you know, a shrinking violet or anything like that. It's, it's you're humble enough to seek balance. And when you do that, you get better answers from your teams. And come on, you got to keep learning. You continue reinventing yourself every single day. If you don't, then you really, you're, you're not going to be moving anybody anywhere. And you're definitely not going to be moving yourself anywhere. And then, you know, in your own image. And this gets back to some of the other leadership questions we, we were talking about. The things that got you to where you are right now will not apply to anybody else that's working with you in your teams or your peers. So if you're going to create this in your own image, you will not be connecting with your teams because it is not relevant to them. Their experience is different. Now, you can become a coach and a mentor within the leadership realm and share experiences and share information and share knowledge. So your teams and your peers can take that and integrate that in what they're doing. So now you get to a better place, but they can't do, they can't be your mirror image. It doesn't work that way. Right. Wow. That is really good. Thank you. Um, do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto? Actually, I have a favorite question. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the question theme. Yes. And it's, this is, Drucker made this, gave this question a long time ago, and it's just stuck with me. And it's about us as leaders and contributors to the world. And it's, what do I see? when I look out my window that no one else sees. Oh, wow. And then, you know, do I see possibilities? Do I see potentials? And if I don't, why don't I? Yes, that is great. Oh my goodness. I'm going to write that down and put that by my computer because yeah. that is just such a powerful question. Jane, Thank you so much for being my guest today. I feel like we've covered so much in this podcast. We started us talking about the different generational values, the communication styles. We've talked about how to be an effective communicator and clear communicator, the importance of feedback, language, and questions. You've given great resources for being a new leader and what what are your go-to must-have books and then just the fantastic questions that you have provided us you know that help you think about where you want to go where you are where where you've been so thank you so much i just so appreciate it and thank you all for listening to this episode of the mentium matters podcast i look forward to having you all back next time thanks